If you would uh, keep your Bibles open as we go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word. And I pray that you would help me by your spirit to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, proclaim him in all his grace and all his truth and all his beauty. We ask in his name. Amen. All right, right from the beginning, I want to make it clear that this sermon is not about different personalities, but about different priorities. Uh, if you've heard sermons uh, on this passage from, uh, from Mary and Martha, it might have been more of a psychoanalysis of the personalities of the two sisters rather than a sermon proclaiming the priority of sitting at the feet of our Master and King, Jesus Christ, and listening to His Word. If you've never heard a sermon on this passage and you don't know what I'm talking about with the psychoanalysis of Mary and Martha, I'll just give you a brief overview of how this passage is sometimes treated. Mary and Martha are frequently viewed as two different kinds of Christians. The Mary Christians are said to be listeners. The Martha Christians are said to be doers. Or to put it another way, uh, some preachers will say that Martha served Jesus with her hands while Mary served him with her mind and heart. And the point of these kinds of sermons is uh, to say that it's better to be a listener than a doer. I agree with uh, those who would describe Martha as more of a type A personality. Um, it's clear from this passage that, she, and also uh, John chapter 11, she was verbal and blunt. Uh, in fact, even with Jesus, uh, you'll see in this passage, she, she dared get in his face and challenge him uh, with letting, Martha, uh, letting Mary, her sister, get away with being lazy. Um, I would guess that Martha was very efficient and organized. It seems clear that Mary had the gift of hospitality. You know, if Mary lived in our culture, in our day and age, it might be said of her that she was the hostess with the mostest. Uh, admittedly, uh, Mary and Martha do seem to have very distinct uh, personalities. Um, I understand this very well. Uh, uh, two of my daughters have very distinct personalities. Uh, one of my daughters is more artistically oriented. Any type of process getting from, from point A to point B is always an adventure. Um, and then I have another daughter that is quite the opposite. She is freakishly organized. And I say, where did she come from? So uh, Mary and Martha have, it would appear, two different personalities. And it is important for our understanding of this passage to recognize this. But their differing personalities is not the, the purpose of uh, this passage. Jesus is not commending one personality type over against another. We need both types of personalities in the church. We need all types of personalities in the church. Uh, it is clear 
that Jesus knew Mary and Martha prior to coming to their home. It was not a coincidence that Jesus was welcomed into their home. Uh, It's likely that they had followed Jesus, maybe during his Galilean ministry before he had even come down to uh, Judah. Maybe he had had gotten to know them earlier, and every time he came down for a religious festival uh, in Jerusalem, maybe he stayed with Mary and Martha in their home because uh, the little village they were from, uh, the town of Bethany, was only two miles from Jerusalem. Uh, we meet Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and I say Lazarus, they had a brother. Uh, we meet all three of them at other times in the gospel, uh, most famously in John chapter 11. What happened in John chapter 11? Lazarus had died, and Jesus came back into town and said, Lazarus, come forth. He rose Lazarus, raised Lazarus from the dead. Um, and in John chapter 12, the woman who poured the ointment of pure nard on Jesus' head uh, at Simon the leper's home was Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. So this family had a close relationship with Jesus. Uh, he certainly when he came into town, would have been welcomed in their home. It was natural then for Martha, when Jesus came into town, to honor Jesus by showing him hospitality. And again, very natural that she would want to prepare a wonderful meal to feed him and his disciples. I think it was an act of devotion toward Jesus on Martha's part to provide Jesus this comfort. Um, But there was something wrong we're going to learn in Martha's heart. Her sister was not helping her. Uh, Rather, what was Mary doing? Mary was sitting at the feet of of Jesus, listening to him teach. Uh, They didn't have ovens or refrigerators, much less indoor plumbing where they could get turn a spigot and get some water. Uh, I know from my time in Uganda that the cooking area was often out behind the house because you would be cooking over an open fire. Uh, And it would get very smoky in the house if you cooked in the house. Um, Being a good hostess, even in our day, with all our modern conveniences, is still not a... um, one-person job, especially if it was Jesus and his disciples who were in the home. And so I can understand why Martha then would become frustrated. Look with me again at the passage, uh, verses 38 through 41. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, we know that village to be Bethany, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to all his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. 
So Martha um, grew frustrated, but it's not her personality trait that is at fault. Rather, it's her priorities are out of order. There would have been proper time to show hospitality um, to Jesus. But the Son of God, the Messiah, Israel's Messiah that they had been waiting on century after century, was in her living room teaching on the glorious gospel, teaching on the kingdom of God. And because Martha was so distracted being a host... Jesus might not, might as well have not been there at all for Martha. I mean, Martha is giving up a lifetime opportunity and is insisting that her sister must do this also, must give up this opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his teaching. Love for Jesus was surely motivating Martha's desire to bless him with hospitality. But that, um, but the hospitality could wait because there was something more important that should have been her, her, pers- her priority. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching. You know, it's very easy to get our priorities out of order when, our, when it comes to our spiritual lives, especially when it comes to our efforts to serve the Lord. You know, we, we come into the church um, as, as new Christians. We start serving Jesus in some type of ministry because we love Him. We love His kingdom. We want to see his, the church thrive. We want to see His kingdom grow. And typically, we find a ministry that... Uh, goes along with our interest and even our spiritual gifts. And there's nothing more fulfilling than serving the Lord with our spiritual gifts and feel, feeling like we're making a difference for the kingdom. I'm going to go on a rabbit trail for a couple of moments. Um, I don't know if, it's, if I can call it a rabbit trail if I put the rabbit trail down in my notes. But um, a rabbit trail nonetheless and talk about how we can discern our spiritual gifts. You know, it's very fashionable these days to go to a spiritual gifts class, to take a personality test along with a personal interest inventory. And then after you do that, you're given a list of ministries in the church, and they give you the results. And with your personality test, with your interest, your talents, um, then these types of ministries should be in your wheelhouse. These, and they'll come up, and this is probably your spiritual gifting. Uh, it's a very business-like uh, model. It's a very efficient way to discover your spiritual gifts. Now, they did not have uh, personality tests in the first century. In fact, um, you know, this is... A, a kind of a new thing um, came, you know, these personality tests and this spiritual gifts type uh, classes really only came about in the second half of uh, the 20th century. So if you can only find your spiritual gift by going to a spiritual gifts class, 
then how are you able to to discern your spiritual gifts prior to the last half of the 20th century? Well, the way you found your spiritual gift was you got busy for the kingdom of God. You, You did what was needed. And as you were doing what was needed, certain things would, uh, would uh, grab your interest, would grab your attention. Certain things uh, you were especially good at, or even if you weren't good, you loved doing it so much that you were willing to keep doing it until you got better. Um, and so as you got busy working for the Lord, these areas of ministry... Um, would pop out in your life that would fit you hand in glove. Um, you would give your time, your 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 talents, uh, your treasure, your money. I guess we could say in that one area of ministry, you'd give yourself to that area of ministry, and it would feel like the greatest privilege that uh, God would allow you to. Uh, do this, you know, as a minister, I think, and it's kind of dangerous to say this, but I would teach and preach the Word of God for for free, you know, and I feel like I'm not loving people unless I've taught them something from the Word of God. I'm self-propelled in that that area, you know, but take me out with Jimbo going into College Hill. I love evangelism. Um, I think it's so important. God has given me some success in leading people to Christ. There's nothing that wears me down quicker than uh, going out and meeting strangers uh, for the gospel. It's just not my gift. Jimbo goes every week He's driving across Polk County three times a week to go to the jails to evangelize um, uh, people in prison. He's going over to College Hill to up and down Nebraska Avenue over in in, um, Suitcase City. He's he's unstoppable. He's self-propelled. That's his gift, evangelism. And uh, so what I'm saying is, You find your spiritual gift by being busy for the kingdom of God, and it will become evident what your spiritual gift is as you serve the Lord. You'll you'll become self-propelled to one uh, extent or another. There are two different places in the New Testament where spiritual gifts are listed. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. And I'll, I'll give these references again in case you missed it, in case you want to look up and say, uh, what do I love doing? Uh, if you're interested in your spiritual gifts. Again, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 and 11. Uh, off the top of my head, and this is kind of dangerous, um, when I'm shooting from the hip, you never know where... What will get hit, or uh, um, but I think there's also Peter and First Peter four ten. I think it is, uh, and following talks about the spiritual gifts as well, and um, but they're already listed in Romans twelve and First Corinthians um, 
12. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, a little more of a tangent. Uh, Some of those are foundational gifts. These were gifts that were necessary prior to us having the completed uh, canon of Scripture. And uh, once the canon was completed um, and the apostles' uh, apostolic ministry had, uh, had also been completed, then those foundational gifts um, were no longer necessary. But um, because you, when you get a spiritual gift and because you love carrying out your spiritual gifts, your spiritual gift, even though it's a gift from God, can become a distraction if you allow your priorities to get out of order. Martha had the gift of hospitality. But, she, but that gift of hospitality became a distraction for her from that which was more necessary. Because that which was more necessary, sitting at the feet of Jesus, should have been her priority when Jesus was in his home, in her home, teaching them about the gospel and the kingdom of God, teaching them about himself. When we are gifted in some area, this is another uh, way that our strength, our spiritual gifting can be a, dis- a distraction. When we're gifted in some area, we can be so good at it that we forget how necessary it is to lean upon Jesus as we discharge our gift, as we minister uh, the spiritual gift that God has given us. Or, uh, equally dangerous, Because we are so passionate about our area of gifting, we expect that other people should be as passionate about our gifting as we are. Um, And when we don't see everybody getting involved that we think should be involved because we're very passionate about this area or that area, um, frustration can set in. And that frustration can be so great that we lash out. You know, for instance, if Jimbo were to say, why is everybody uh, at Westminster Presbyterian Church not lining up to go and do evangelism with me each week and then getting frustrated about it? Well, that's not, that wouldn't be profitable. And Jimbo knows not everybody's gifted as an evangelist. Everybody has an evangelistic task. Uh, For some of you, pray for Jimbo. Others of you, uh, make little angels to go on the little lollipops that uh, catch people's attention over in, uh, in College Hill. I've seen people just, Jimbo gives them a little lollipop with an angel on it. And what it does is it opens the door of their heart. Uh, so Jimbo has not just gained their ear, but also their heart as well. And he's able to speak to them the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus so there's so many different ways. I know somebody else in the congregation uh, buys the little uh, tracks that Jimbo gets out. And every so often I'll get a box of these tracks. And I know it's not for me. You know, it's coming to the church for Jimbo. You know, other people donating boxes of Bibles. And all this is evangelistic work uh, to support Jimbo and his evangelism, even though they don't have a spiritual gift of evangelism. In other words, just because 
now I'm really on the rabbit trail and I'll have to come back. But once, um, when you have a spiritual gift and you know what that spiritual gift is, it doesn't let you off the hook for serving in other ways not that are not according to your gifting. Timothy, I'm, I'm heading down that rabbit trail. I'm probably going to fall into the rabbit hole after a, after a bit. Timothy, his, his gifting um, was not evangelism. Paul had to said, had to remind him, you're, uh, you know, God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and boldness and self-discipline. So open your mouth and proclaim the gospel, even if it causes you to suffer. Or he told Timothy again, um, uh, do the work of evangelist. Because Timothy was likely not gifted in that area. And Paul said, that doesn't let, let, lead you, lead, uh, get you off the hook. You've got to, to discharge that area of ministry as well. So, uh, let's see if we can get back into the sermon and figure out where I am in my notes. Oh, Martha. Martha was frustrated. Her sister is not helping her in the kitchen. Jesus, he needs to be shown hospitality. And Mary is in there sitting at Jesus' feet. Her frustration was so great that she lashed out at Jesus. Listening to her speak to Jesus, I wonder if she was accusing him of being part of the problem. By letting Mary sit at his feet, it seems as if Martha's saying that Jesus was actually encouraging Mary to neglect her domestic duties. Look with me again. I've already read it, but uh, it bears reading again. Verse 40, But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him, him being Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care? Putting an accusation toward Jesus. Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to come help me. Do you know how many people I have met over the years who have told me that they have quit the church altogether because they were too busy working for the church while most of the people in the church were sitting on the sidelines? They get so frustrated, instead of moving churches, they just quit going to church altogether. I've given um, more than my share, more than everybody else. They've grown frustrated They stopped going to church altogether. And they didn't realize how many of those people sitting beside them in the pews, um, thinking that these people were sitting on the sidelines, were really discharging their spiritual gifts in other less visible areas of the church. If you look up that uh, list of, of spiritual gifts in Romans 11, one of those spiritual gifts is giving. And there's a lot of people who don't know, don't let the, the left hand know what the right hand is doing. And they're out there making sure that the ministries of the church are being supported, not calling attention to themselves. Uh, other people serving in the nursery. Other people doing other things that aren't seen. And 
All the while, the person who is doing something that they are very passionate about because they are they have this or that spiritual gift growing frustrated and frustrated and more frustrated to the point that they lash out like Martha. Lord, do you not care that I am doing so much while so-and-so is sitting on the sidelines? Well, I've taken too long looking at Martha's misplaced priority. I want to conclude this sermon um, by looking at Mary's properly arranged priorities. I use the word conclude, um, but that doesn't mean that we're finished in the next three or four minutes. So Martha had a long to-do list that made her anxious and troubled. But Jesus basically crumpled up the the to-do list and threw it away. He said, there's only one thing that is necessary. Now, there are many things that take up our time and attention that are not really necessary. Binge-watching. You know, um, our whatever streaming service we have, posting on social media, uh, being on the cell phones, and we could go on and on down the list. You know, it's the political season, getting involved and trying to figure out what's happening politically. Um, These are not evil, but when we are neglecting sitting at the feet of Jesus because of these types of things, and there are many other things um, that, uh, that catch our attention. When we neglect Jesus, our priorities are misplaced. What we give our time to exposes what our hearts really love. Does Jesus have the first place in your time allotments? Not necessarily in terms of time spent, but in terms of quality. Does he get your first, your, the first of your time? Does he get the best of your time, even though you may spend more time doing other things? Now, some of you at this moment might be trying to rearrange your priority list in your mind. Oh, uh, yeah, the pastor's got his finger on me. Maybe I better uh, rearrange my priorities uh, to give Jesus place of primacy in the to-do list. Maybe you're thinking that you need to uh, redouble your efforts at Bible reading or prayer. Prayer, Bible reading, uh, spiritual journaling, these things are absolutely necessary. Studying the Scriptures, absolutely necessary. But listen closely, lest I be misunderstood. Prioritizing Jesus is not just another item on your to-do list. Um as if we have then one more thing to do for Jesus. The necessary thing that Jesus is talking about uh, when he addresses Martha is not about what we can or should do for Jesus, but rather what Jesus can do and does for us. Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening to his teaching. Mary was not fulfilling some religious obligation. Mary was not checking off some box um, of faithfulness. Uh, She was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to his teaching. What we do for Jesus 
is not the heart of our relationship with him. Philip Ryken uh, made this point. He correctly points out that Jesus prizes our fellowship and our friendship more highly than all our service. He wants us to be with Him. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to give ourselves to Him just as He has given Himself to us. When Jesus says Mary has chosen the good portion in verse 40, Jesus Himself is the good portion. Let me read uh, this passage, um, verse 41. Uh, again, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. See, it's not, and it's not just our friendship and our fellowship that Jesus is concerned with. Rather, he knows that what is best for us is to be with Him. He is, full, he is full of the grace and truth that we need so badly. Being with Him is how His grace and truth spills over into our lives. And I have in mind here uh, uh, John chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Um, John says, From His fullness we have received grace Upon grace, grace stacked on grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. By being with Jesus, His grace and truth spill over into our life. His grace and truth sloshes over into our life. But we've got to be with Him. Jesus is the true vine, we are the branches. We draw all our spiritual vitality from Him. Uh, We fellowship with Jesus through His Word. Worship and fellowship with God are not just completely subjective uh, um, exercises where we feel these warm feelings in our belly because we think of Jesus. You know, our worship services are filled with the Word of God because it is, we listen to God. That is how we fellowship with Him. We listen to Him in His Word. We talk to Him about His promises. We hear His commands and by faith, because we know He's at work in us, we obey those commands. Our fellowship is not just willy-nilly. God speaks to us through His Word. The Holy Spirit works in our lives through His Word. And so here is Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to His teaching. Our busyness or our misplaced priorities that lead us into the neglect, leading us to neglect, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to His teaching, it's no minor thing to neglect Him. It leads to the neglect of our soul that chokes the spiritual life out of us. So Jesus is saying, I am not going to send Mary back to the kitchen just because you think that you need help, Martha. He's really saying to Martha, 
you need to come get some of this portion. You know, Martha's worried about the food portions. He says, come and get the real portion. Come and get the food that that nourishes you for eternity. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Martha, come and fill your soul. And here's where it gets very serious. Your busyness or your misplaced priorities are the are choices you make. You make those choices because at some level, you love them. Uh, If they are leading you to neglect Jesus, then you love them more than Jesus. And that is idolatry. When you realize this, I hope it breaks your heart in repentance, just as it has broken my own heart Um. Many different times. And I speak from much red-faced experience. I urge you. I exhort you. Determine to seek Jesus first. Because you love Him. And then cultivate that love for Jesus. How do you cultivate that love for Jesus? How do you grow in your desire for Him? Well, by sitting at His Word. Or sitting at His feet. Listening to His Word. And I can tell you again from experience, Jesus loves to grant us repentance when fellowship with Him is the reason and the goal for our repentance. And I'm going to conclude, um, and this is really the conclusion, uh, with a passage of Scripture for your encouragement. Lazarus, in John chapter 11, when he died, people came from all over, it says, all over from around Bethany and even as far away as Jerusalem uh, to comfort and console Mary and Martha. Their house was full of guests. But when Martha heard that Jesus was uh, coming, she knew only one thing was necessary, and that wasn't the hospitality. She abandoned her guest, and she ran to Jesus. John chapter 11 says, um, I, I forgot to mark it. Okay, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha learned something when Jesus rebuked her. She repented and she got her priorities in order. No matter how deeply ingrained uh, the habits or priorities, the misplaced priorities you have, Jesus grants repentance. Jesus will turn your misplaced priorities upside down and put Him at the center. He loves to do it. His Spirit is powerful enough to do it. Seek Him. Seek Him and desire to seek Him. And everything else will begin to fall in place. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, please forgive us in our many um, misplaced priorities. 
Help us to sit at your feet and listen to you. Lord, if we struggle to read the Bible, I pray you would help us to open it and read even very familiar passages of Scripture to hear your word and talk to you about your word and fellowship with you. Because we know that when your word is at work in our life, your spirit moving, then we grow hotter in our desires for Jesus. Um, and uh, time after time, you are placed in front and center, given top billing, so to speak, and our lives begin to transform. So help us, Lord, in our priorities. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. To sing thy grace, number 450.